Welcome to Inspirational Australians, where we share stories of Australians making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. We at Inspirational Australians acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waterways on which this podcast is produced. We pay our respect to elders past and present and those who are emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. At Inspirational Australians, we are inspired by the world's oldest living culture and pay homage to their rich storytelling history when we share stories on our podcast. This week's podcast guests are Kate Howard and Emma Murray, representing the volunteers of the Mighty Hub Gymnastics Club. They were the winner of the 2022 Woolworths Community Group of the Year Award, and the award was presented as part of the annual States Community Achievement Awards. Kate and Emma, welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, and hi to all of our listeners. I hope you all gain some inspiration from today's chat. Welcome, Kate. Welcome, Emma. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Good to have you on board. Uh, And congratulations on all you do at Hub Gymnastics. It's such a great program, which is obviously why you were recognised with the award last year. Uh, I'm sure over the the years there have been thousands and thousands who have come together and really uh, got a lot of joy from the programs and competitions that you run. Now, I only had boys myself, so I'm not real familiar with gymnastics, which will, I am sure, come out in the wash as we have a chat. So feel free to um, enlighten me and, of course, any of our other listeners who have only had boys as well uh, about uh, a little bit more detail about gymnastics. So how and when did the idea come about and who was a part of the creation of hum, Hub gym, Gymnastics in the beginning? So very much before um, either Kate or myself's um, time uh, with the club. Um, so back in 1985, I believe, um, a group of volunteers was sort of approached, I think at the time actually approached by the YMCA, and I'm sure someone has better um factual check of this, um, but approached by the YMCA, um, a gentleman, Gordon Sykes, um, effectively began um, the club um, and it started at the Hub um, Recreation Centre and fairly quickly, I believe, they amalgamated with the YMCA that run the centre at the time. Um, Obviously, they provided the equipment and the space and then it just kind of grew from there. So, obviously, parents came on board to help coach, um, you know, people were on board volunteering and then the program just grew and grew from there. Often does, comes from a great idea, but you need people who are passionate uh, about the whole thing to get it going. But I think the proof is in the pudding for success for the longevity of any program comes down to finding new people to be involved, getting them enthusiastic and uh, being a part of the journey. So uh, back to those original days, where was Hub Gymnastics initially located? Uh, Recreation Centre. And 
believe we stayed there for a number of years. Emma can confirm that. Um, I'm not 100% sure how many years we were there. It was well before my time. Emma, did you want to expand? Because I think you know more about that than me. <laughs> yeah, so I think the original Hub Recreation Centre was a third state government, a third YMCA and a third Hub High School, um, I believe was the funding arrangement. So we were there for a period of time, um, basically till I think about 2013. Um, and we were with the YMCA for, for quite a period of time um, there. Um, we did obviously at some point break away from the YMCA. Um, we obviously offer competition streams and it wasn't quite aligned with what they sort of offer as a package and they no longer um, had the management rights to the facility we were in. Um, and so it just kind of made sense from that point um, to incorporate on our own. And, and obviously that um, allowed us to sort of take a little bit more direction um, around you know, the service that we provide and why it might be different um, to, to, you know, a standard YMCA kind of program. I'm sure there were plenty of uh, benefits of the initial amalgamation with the YMCA in terms of the growth yeah. of the organisation. Is that why the initial amalgamation started or happened? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's certainly very much before our time. I think it may have even been the YMCA's idea um, for a gymnastic centre in that space. Um, I know that they offered the space. I think they offered some equipment. Um, so I think it was, yeah, very much a, a them idea. And I believe they obviously helped with some of the financial um, kind of side to running a gymnastics club, um, so certainly early days. Sounds like a win-win in the initial stages. Yeah, yeah. So, so since that initial partnership, uh, I guess there have been a few changes uh, well, I see that there have been a few changes in centre management over the time and locations for the club. Can you tell us a bit more about the history from the 2030-13 period where you parted ways with YMCA? Yeah, so um, the YMCA had lost the centre management contract, um, I think a few years earlier, um, and the facility we were in um, was put out for tender. Another management um, company were awarded the contract and it um, just wasn't tenable for us to remain in that facility. Um, and so we sort of, I think it kind of happened fairly similar where we had decided to incorporate away from the YMCA. They were actually fairly supportive of that process, I think, um, and sort of, um, you know, understanding that we probably had different directions that we sort of saw the club going and they weren't really able to help us facilitate some of that space moving forwards. Um, and then we needed to find a new facility. Obviously, that meant we moved out of the city of Onkapringa. So we did move to the city of Marion for a period of time um, into a hall that was sort of available. Um, it did allow us to have a more permanent setup, um, still not full-time at that point, but a more permanent setup. And it did also allow us to expand on hours offered. Um, so because obviously we were sharing a facility that had school usage, um, we were limited on the available hours that we had access. Um, when we moved to the city of Marion, we were able to increase those hours and therefore obviously increase the volume of athletes we can get through the door. Um, and then when we made the move back to the city of Onkapringa and now into our permanent home, um, so the Hill Recreation Centre, which has now um, been renamed the Paul Murray Recreation Centre, which is amazing. Um, when we moved back into the Paul Murray Recreation Centre, we now have um, full-time usage. 
So we do share with an active over 50s group one day a week. Um, they have about five hours access. Um, but outside of that, we have full-time access. So that was kind of, as we grew, we kind of needed to be in a facility that would support the access. And now, um, you know, we have programs, not quite all day, every day, but getting pretty close. So, so historically, Kate, uh, you must have, your equipment would have had to, I imagine, been packed away and then reset up each time you used it. Yeah, so when we were um, in the city of Marion, um, we used to have set up happening um, on a Saturday morning, I think. Um, we did set up. I think we did. Um, we had packed down numerous times a week um, and the equipment was all stored actually on a dance stage um, in that facility. So um, there was a lot of a lot of volunteer work behind the scenes to make sure that the gym was set up and ready to go when we needed it. Um, I remember when my daughter first started, we were always on Saturday set up because she was one of the first groups in as a little tacker. So, um, and that was that was where my involvement came from, primarily with the setup, being a parent um, and, you know, mopping floors on a Thursday night to get rid of all the chalk and all that sort of stuff associated with gymnastics. So um, we still have an element of um, pack up and set down, um, et cetera, in the current facility um, because we have got that active over 50s group in there. So um, currently we still pack down on a Thursday night and then set up again on a Saturday morning. So, um, yeah. It's much less than it used to be, which is great. So how many times would you have had to have packed down and set up in the, the other order uh, yep. previously at some of your role locations? Every day in some, in the oh. original location. We set up every every day and we just didn't have the same, you couldn't have the same equipment. You know, yep. a full gymnastics floor is a... 10 person two hour job to set up so we didn't we didn't have that equipment we had very minimal trampolines we didn't have any of the the stuff we have now so we do a small setup now of one particular space and um, but we do have a lot of our equipment that remains set up so that we can have access to sort of bigger safer better equipment oh that's brilliant absolutely but it was a mission it was definitely yeah. all hands on deck like every yeah and uh, to all of our listeners, we put our hands together for all volunteers. It's we ha it's hard to imagine where we would be without the volunteers in any organisation, club or sports organisation, that make them function. And the more volunteers, the better, more active, the, the better involved they are, the better the organisations can run. Uh, kudos to you both, to all of your team, and shout out to Hub Gymnastics Club volunteers and every other organisation that functions that way. Big kudos. And Hub Gymnastics is also a story of resilience, isn't it? How you've grown, you've had to undertake and undergo change of management, uh, partnerships, venues, as you say, the set up and packed down on a regular basis uh, it's just a story of resilience and and belief in a vision and a purpose i guess which uh, for your community benefit so and the same for anybody out there who is involved similarly big kudos and shout out uh, so congratulations on your resilience 
how many volunteers are there on, I presume you have a committee, uh, how many people on your committee and how many volunteers do you have? So currently on our committee we have, I think we have a committee of nine. Um, we generally try and keep an odd number so that if we have to split a vote on something, um, it's generally easily split. Um, and primarily um, the major vast majority of us are parents um, of gymnasts um, at various stages in their careers. Um, I'm still on the committee um, despite my child no longer um, actively participating as a gymnast. Um, she is still a coach and we're still involved in the club. But, um, yeah, so it's it's primarily um, a lot of parents. Um, the vast majority of us are mums um, on that committee, being a 95% female sport. Um, often it's the mums who do the committee work and the dads do the setup with the heavy equipment, et cetera. Um, and in terms of a volunteer base, um, you know, we've got over 800 members um, in our club, so our volunteer base is it's huge um but some some of those people may only volunteer once a year some may be there week in week out so i don't think we could actively put a number on our volunteers um you know realistically um we've got a core group of volunteers that are always there and are always willing to lend a hand and then there's other people who you know come in once or twice a year when they can um and we absolutely appreciate anyone who's willing to come and help us out even if it is twice a year there's no no problem there at all Everything and I think helps. even it's it's nice to see sort of the next generation of volunteers so obviously a lot of our junior athletes are coaches um so you know they get their first employment with us um you know they might work three four five hours a week um but for example this weekend we're hosting so it's our second it was our inaugural last year but we're hosting a um, inter-club competition for um, the southern area for little level ones and twos and even just the amount of help that the junior coaches who are paid staff but they just want to come in and volunteer to run the session um, you know they're going to serve food they're going to help with a little craft activity we've got for the kids and um, they just want to get involved and they're happy to donate their Sunday um, to you know display how good our club is like they love hearing feedback um, from, you know, parents from other clubs about how amazing the competition was. Last year the girls talked about it for months afterwards, how how good the feedback was they were getting from people from other clubs. And um, so like the next generation of volunteers as well, like, yes, they hold paid employment and that's really important to them, obviously. They've got mobile phones and bills to pay, um, but they still are willing to, you know, participate, donate their time, you know, go above and beyond which is really cool when they're, you know, 14 and 15 and there's so many things that might be more important to them. Yeah, 100%. Getting young people involved in any form of uh, volunteering or similar is really mm. critical. So there are so many pressures and challenges in life for young people these days and, of course, everybody. So volunteers are critical and getting new people on board is, as you say, really exciting and invaluable. So how do you get your funding? Where does your, where your funding come from now to pay for coaches and the likes? Well, you are talking to Kate, who's our treasurer, so I'm happy <laughs> yeah. to let her. She is the money lady. I know when 
I have to ask for a dollar because we, we keep a tight budget here. <laughs> that must um, be the good good time, Kate, when you make people beg. Absolutely. It comes to the territory. Um, no, in all honesty, uh, the majority of our funding um, comes from our term fees that we um, charge our families. Um, we have various different streams of gymnastics um, with various different um, term costs associated with them. Um, we are one of the cheapest clubs um, in Adelaide, um, as far as I'm aware. haven't done the numbers recently. but And, we and are, one of the best, of course. Absolutely. We're not going to shy away from that fact. Um, so the Primarily, the, you know, a lot of it comes from our term fees. Um, we do do a lot of fundraising um, over and above that because we do need to replace our equipment, um, gymnastics equipment. When it gets tired and old, unfortunately, it can become unsafe. So there is that work health safety issue there as well. Um, so we do fundraising um, through our fundraising committee um, and um, the support of our parents and being a large club, we can, you know, get a lot of resources out there to um, do that fundraising. Um, and every now and again, we might get a grant or two for um, equipment purchases um, or any upgrades. Obviously, the funding for our building project is a totally different story, which Emma can share more on um, with that. Um, there is significant funding there from um, various government sources. So, um, but primarily, it's it's from our families um, in paying their term fees um, and you know the fundraising that we do. So, and yeah. I think we probably have a slightly unique fee structure um, than a few other clubs. So, with in particular our competition program. Um, it was really important for us designing the fee structure to sort of reward loyalty, time spent with the club. So the more hours you train and the like higher level your athlete is, the less you actually pay per hour. So effectively, by the time an athlete had sort of been with us, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years, the fees have kind of, whilst you may be paying more because they're doing significantly more hours, it's actually a, le a lower fee per hour. So it does really reward the the value that we've got from those families. You know, by the time your athlete is 15 or 16, your parent has helped out at numerous volunteer things. You've been involved in fundraising. You've, you know, travelled as a team to different interstate competitions or whatever it is. We sort of, yeah, it, that fee structure is designed to sort of reward reward those families and the loyalty for, for being with us for that period of time. That's a great idea. I love that. Very cool. Mm. Does the same apply for multiple uh, children in one family? So if you've got three kids, it's... Yep, there is a sibling discount for sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we will try and do things to sort of assist with families. You know, if you've got kids in multiple programs, if there's a recreation program that works on a day better, you know, we'll, we'll do things logically to sort of support families because we do have a few families where we might have all three of their kids. I don't know if we've got all four of anyone's kids at the moment, but I think we've got all three of a few families. Um, so, you know, there's some parents that need a permanent chair in our in our foyer at the moment. Um, so we do try and make things as easy as possible for those families. Yeah. And there's, there's also those families where obviously we are primarily female-dominated sport, but since we've um, started our boys' program, you know, there's potentially a few brothers coming into the fold, um, so it's not necessarily just three female siblings. Um, and so that's opened up a whole other avenue for our families as well where, they, you know, one child might be able to participate 
but we didn't have a boys program and so the brother missed out so we have opened up that as well um, which has expanded our programs um, and um, whilst Emma Sports she would never do a boys program here we are um, yeah. and um, you know it's it's actually there was a demand for it as well at our club um, so we we took that on um, and it is actually you know progressing really really well at this stage which is good yeah brilliant so uh, again excuse my ignorance i imagine every child has a varying degree of flexibility or capability or or enjoyment from mm -hmm. from uh, gymnastics how different can the boys program be from a girls program do they have separate coaches or are they all pulled together dependent and based on their no ability? so if you look at um, so if you look at competition programs, boys and girls has different equipment. Um, so obviously our competition programs, they do have different coaches. Some of our coaches do um, coach across multiple programs because um, obviously there are particular elements that are, are the same. And a lot of the um, the teaching aspect of, you know, controlling a class and listening skills and all of those things are kind of the same across programs. Um, and some of the equipment is the same, but no, we do have have different programs. Um, even with our within our recreation stream now, where the boys and girls are together, um, because the demand has been sort of growing for a boys program, we do occasionally have groups within that class where the boys are all together. If we've got enough boys in that class to do that, and then they get to go on different equipment, and it's a little bit easier. But then we do have some programs where the boys and girls are together, and it. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. I think the thing with gymnastics is because it is an individual sport, um, it's really up to the coach to be able to have, you know, six or seven children within a class and make sure that they're all participating at the appropriate level for them and being challenged for them. But you might have kids of a, quite a varied ability within that class. Um, we do also have fairly low coach-to-athlete ratios, um, probably much lower than other programs um you know obviously from a feasibility standpoint you you know you need to work out and that's okay it comes in about where where our absolute minimums sort of are in that space um but we do have fairly low athlete to coach ratios so that athletes can you know they're being coached sufficiently and able to be sort of challenged sufficiently you wouldn't have one coach with 20 kids um, you know, the, the, especially in a junior program, like a recreation program, where obviously the kids are still fairly new um, to gymnastics, the skills, still working out body control and strength and those sorts of things. Awesome. So can you tell me again for those who are not conversant with gymnastics, you mentioned just then about uh, programs more for beginners, so they'd be more uh, in principle basic uh, introduction type classes then I imagine like martial arts you would progress through the levels of skill and ability or and I imagine do you go to specific types of classes that are more appropriate for a specialist apparatus or whatever now I have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> that's you okay you're doing a pretty good job that? <laughs> Talk us through the various types of... Yeah, so, um, I mean, if we start right at the start, we have kinder gym. So, you know, kinder gym, you can be nine months old, you can be crawling around just sort of standing up. Um, kinder gym we do from sort of infant to I think it's about two, 
Um, and then you would go into a mini gym. So um, still very small. Uh, the kids are sort of two and a half to three and a half. You're starting to have some sort of instruction. Um, parents are a little bit less involved. Then we've got whiz kids, which are that is that fun age. So that's like the three and a half, the four and a half. Um, so very low numbers in those programs coach ratio because obviously we we're still working on our listening skills at that point. Um, yeah, <laughs> like that's where I belong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the program the coaches get most tired coaching because that one's, yeah, we call them whiz kids and you can kind of imagine why. Um, and then you would move to a recreation program. So a recreation program um, we do from about four to, I think we've got 14-year-old athletes in, in those sorts of programs and that's an hour a week session. Um, and it's really tailored on, you know, you can be an absolute beginner versus we've got kids that have been with us two years in those programs. Um, individual groups are kind of um, age and skill-based. So um, we design the program so that, you know, you're with a group of appropriate aged athletes but also appropriate leveled. Um, we have our own skills matrix that we've developed, so a coaching resource that the coaches work from um, to sort of ensure that the kids are, earning, are learning skills evenly across like a banding and then you know, if kids need to move up into groups throughout that recreation program, they would. Um, and then getting into a competition program is invite only. Um, we obviously would love to have, you know, thousands of athletes in, in competition programs, but, you know, we simply don't have the space or the resources. Um, so it is invite only. So we either do, we normally do a trial sort of once a year and we'll do a trial towards the end of um, next month, I think, and that will be our next batch of, we call them fleas. <laughs> so that's the name for the first year um, competition athletes. They're the fleas. I, I'm not quite sure why or how. I was a flea like 20, 20 something years ago. They don't um, tell secrets. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I don't know why they're called fleas, but the name's just stuck. So, um, we do a trial for a new flea squad every every 12 months or so. And then we do occasionally take kids into squads if we've got space or, you know, transfers from other clubs as well. Um, but competition programs are invite only. Yeah. Um, and then we have a few extra classes. So we have an aerobics program, which is like a dance-based gymnastics program. So that's got its own recreation stream and then its own competition stream. Um, and we have an acro class, which is like a tumbling class. So we've got kids from different recreation programs, kids from comp program doing it, and even like, you know, dancers who just want to safely learn tricks and that it might not be appropriate for them to be, you know, watching YouTube and learning at home. So we've got a few people that have enrolled because they would like to be taught by someone who's qualified and, and capable to teach those sort of things in a safer environment as well. So we kind of have something for everyone. Um, hence the need for the expansion because the wait list is getting longer um, and we just, you know, we ran out of space, really. Um, so tell, tell while we're on the subject, tell me about the expansion because I know you've got a lot of exciting stuff going on and planned. So uh, I might come back to a few other questions I have, but tell us about that, what's going on. Yeah, so exciting and or terrifying, depends on the day of the <laughs> week, I think you ask um yeah I mean maybe a year and a half ago now two years ago I think so my my father had just sort of passed away um after a fairly long battle with cancer um the council came to us and said look we want to honor your father um in a way what what do you and the family want to do 
and um, the idea was presented for the name change of the building. And we thought, that's amazing. Like, Dad would be so proud. You know, he never liked to show off, but he would have been secretly pretty pretty pleased that a building was named after him. Um, and then, you know, it kind of, I was sitting there thinking, okay, like, you know, Dad had all these plans written down for things he wanted to do for the club. Like, you know, he saw um, what was kind of next. And Mum's actually given me some beautiful things that he'd written down that were in his, like, um, plans of things that he was doing. And I've been able to tick off the stuff that we've sort of achieved since. And um, But we we knew we needed to sort of look at what how we were going to expand. And we sat down and thought, okay, we, we really want a kinder gym space um, full-time. So we want to be able to do kinder gym on the weekends for dads to come along to. We, um, you know, we want to be able to use the Friday. And so I said to Kate, please may I have some money? Um, and she let me have a little bit of money and I, I got some plans drawn up for a separate kinder gym space. Um, I got some cost consulting done, did all of this, took it to council and said, can I have my landowner's consent? Um, and they said, yep. And I was going to submit to like a grassroots sports grant. Um, and then it kind of all got a bit murky for a bit there. And, and we sought some external advice around why it wasn't being supported. Um, and we got to learn about building code. Um, and obviously, if we touched our building, which is um, not had much love since its original building in, I don't know, 60 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, it's not really had much love. And um, we would obviously need to upgrade our building to building code. And that wasn't something council had budgeted for. So um, it became apparent that we weren't going to be able to do that, that little extension we wanted to do. Um, and it was kind of an all or nothing. Um, and I guess I, uh, being a female Murray and a fellow redhead was like, well, I don't really like the word no. So I guess we're doing this whole building. Um, so then I said, hey, Kate, can I have some more money? Because now I need plans for the whole building. Um, got our plans drawn up for the whole building. And then it just timed quite nicely with an election coming up that I just started going to politicians and saying, this is what I want to do. We've got 800 athletes. So we're bigger than anyone else. And, you know, we're a female sport. We're female led. We've got 300 females on the wait list who can't get even in, in the door. So, you know, what about you fund us? Um, and then we it, it worked. <laughs> I think there was definitely time where I was like, how is this working? But we just advocated. We just turned up. We, um, you know, and, and we did, look, as, as a club, we did probably commit close to $15,000 worth of actual work ourselves in terms of, well, no, not actual work ourselves, in, in terms of experts. So, you know, we had an architect draw the plans. I had it fully cost consulted, you know, so it made it easy for politicians yeah. to support it because I was handing it to them on a plate going, here it is, here it's all done. Like, you know, this is what your contribution will um, will buy you. So we we ended up with matching election promises, Labor and Liberal. Um, we're very lucky that um, our, our politicians that have been supportive to us have really been supportive to us irrespective of political alliance. Yeah. Um, we, we have been very, very lucky in that space. So we've had some really strong advocates who effectively have worked together a lot of the time because they've been massive supporters. Um, we then had, so we got a contribution from the state government um, in the election. Um, we got a promise that was not an election commitment federally. Um, so that was a, a budget commitment. Um, and then we went to council and said, right, 
top us up because we've brought you four million dollars. So could you yeah. do the rest? And um, yeah, we're we're doing a well. I mean, I think uh, it'll end up being just under six million. Um, but a proper extent expansion refurbishment of the facility. Sorry. It's just so good for gymnastics as a whole. I mean, it's a sport that's traditionally hideously underfunded. Um, whether that's just built. because, yeah, well, it's purpose built. And I know a lot of the way a lot of the policies are written are around um, like multi-share facilities. And there's a lot of policy in place to support facilities being used and not underused, which yeah. we totally understand. But we train all year round um, yes. and we have different streams. So our facilities are not underused. They're just used very differently than your average court or like mm. um, field sport. And so the, a lot of the policies are just not written, designed to support clubs like us. When in reality, we've got 800 athletes, 300 on the wait list, and we use it 50, maybe 52 weeks a year. Like we, we really break for a couple of weeks. So you know, a lot of those policies that are designed to to have um, clubs multi-share a facility, we don't need because we're doing that on our own. Um, yeah. So it was definitely some, some changing of mindsets as well, I think, like people who traditionally wouldn't have had much idea about gymnastics. I just, I read a lot of business plans. I printed a lot of strategic plans and just, you know, wrote my argument as to why we met all of the criteria for, for support, even if it didn't quite look like what it had looked like in the past. Um, and eventually people just bought in, like they could see, you know, we weren't making it up, like this is what we've yeah. been doing. It's just maybe we weren't shouting about it loud enough. I think also like a lot of the success of where we've been able to get to with this project is the volunteer hours behind the scenes are just phenomenal. Like Emma herself, like I've, I couldn't put a number on the amount of hours that she has spent driving this project. Um, you know, there has been a supportive committee 100% behind her um, with this, but the volunteer aspect of it, I think has it can't be underestimated with this sort of project, um, you know. And I think also, like, we're, we're volunteers who we can see the benefit of what we're doing. And we can see the outcome that it's going to give the southern area of Adelaide particularly. Um, and, and it's for the benefit of these little kids that walk through the door, you know, every day. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm a volunteer treasurer and I've ended up coaching on a Thursday night for an hour because my daughter coaches and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm here for an hour. I might as well step in and coach. And so I'm coaching these little kids who are not my children. I have no relation to them whatsoever other than the fact that you somehow this club just exudes, you know, confidence and belief in what we're doing. And I think that rubs off on every person who walks through the door. And the number of parents that will, you know, stop you in the foyer and just compliment what we're doing. And they can see the vision um, and they're all super excited about it. But I think realistically, without Emma's drive behind this project, it may not have got off the ground. Um, and I think also, you know, Paul's vision as well. You know, Paul Paul had those relationships with politicians and he was he was always the first one to go and knock on someone's door and have a chat to them about it. Um, and if it led somewhere, great. If it didn't, well he hadn't lost anything. And I think I think that's really important to remember where we've come from with this and then 
like Emma has said before, it's, you know, that changing of the guard with those new volunteers coming on board and that vision, you know, for the future. And fingers crossed once we get this done, it doesn't have to be done again, you know, for quite a long time because um, the facility will be there. And <laughs> We're never I'm doing this again. <laughs> I'm certainly not doing it again, I can guarantee you that much, um, you know, but I just think it, it comes back to that notion of a volunteer. It really does. Um, and, you know, that just can't be underestimated. Well, congratulations. Purpose-driven, just... purpose, uh, purpose driven. Uh, so, and that's the key, isn't it? Taking people on the journey of what you aim to achieve. This episode is proudly sponsored by Woolworths, who are supporters of the Community Achievement Awards in Northern Territory, South Australia and Western Australia. We thank the team at Woolworths for their outstanding support of our community contributors. So what's the age range of of your membership? I, th- I think we've still got some athletes 19, 20-ish. Yeah. Um, once the facility is renovated and expanded, I have been getting lots of elbows about an adults program, so we will do something for adults. I've got some retired gymnasts who are talking about maybe coming back in and training once a week. So, yeah, I mean, that'll open up the door to sort of be able to do some of those things. Um, we're investigating some stuff in the NDIS space. Um, so there's some amazing research and programs being developed um, around using trampolines for kids with low muscle tone and lots of stuff in that space. So it's just going to open up some of the doors for those sorts of things as well. Um, We are fairly inclusive. Like, I mean, we've got plenty of children um, with various disabilities that participate in classes um, of all sorts. Um, But, yeah, we'll be able to run some sort of specialist stuff as well. Which is fantastic to hear. I did write down a question before, uh, given your name, and Paul's surname being the same, I was going to ask what the relationship <laughs> was. So, how did your uh, how did and and sorry about the passing of your father. Uh, Cancer is a dreadful thing. I um, how did your dad get involved initially? Yeah, so I'm the, there's three daughters. Um, I'm the eldest. Um, so dad got involved. So he was a very, very hard worker. He worked a lot. He studied at night um, and Saturdays were his thing. He always joked he wanted to be a soccer coach. He had three daughters, so mum sent him off to gymnastics. Um, So she'd done kinder gym with us and the mini gyms and all of that. Um, And then he would take us to recreation at the the Hub Recreation Centre on a Saturday. Um, And I think he was, I, I would have been there barely a few weeks before he was like, well, if I'm going to sit down for an hour and watch, I may as well help. So off he went to the, you know, the coordinator of the program at the time and said, oh, do you need any help? And then he just started helping and, yeah, started coaching. We've got a few parents that start like that. You know, they're happy to be the parent volunteer um, on the floor that session. And, yeah, he started coaching, had no experience in gymnastics. He was fairly mechanically minded. Um, so fitter and turner by trade and then an engineer. So I think he understood the mechanics of skills and he and he sort of grasped that rather than ever being able to do anything. I do remember him doing a very bad flip. Um, I must have been about 10 or 12. And, yeah, he was jumping on a trampoline and did a flip because he was telling the girl, oh, it can't be that hard. And I don't think he did again after that. But, 
no, he certainly was not a gymnast himself. Um, but yeah, just just wanted to. He was always very volunteer um, centric. Um, just wanted to sort of help, and then got suckered in, and then yeah, around the same yes, time that I would have been selected into a competition program, he took a competition squad, and um, I think he coached me not for very long. That was probably never going to work, and I was was moved into a different squad, and and then he yeah just started coaching. So how long have you been involved, Emma? Um, yeah, look, uh, <clears throat> we'd be getting close to three decades now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, first, obviously, it's yeah, first as an athlete, um, yeah. I would have, so we start coaching at 12. Um, if you want to, you, you take like a junior coaching role. So I took a junior coaching role at 12. Um, I took my first comp squad at 16. Um, and yeah, I'll be uh, 31 later this year. So yeah, a, a long time now. Yeah, well, congratulations. And Kate, how long have you been involved? Thank you. Uh, I've been involved, this is my ninth year with the club. Um, my daughter started um, as a rec gymnast, uh, well, nine years ago. Um, and um, she then progressing to the competition squad. Um, within probably a month of her being into the competition squad, I was targeted for treasurer. Um, <laughs> and I say, I say that with all love and affection. Um, treasurer is a really hard role in a club. Um, and in today's world, you do need some qualification to be able to do it. Um, and I've been the treasurer ever since. Um, my daughter competed for eight years. Um, and she's coached since she was 12. She's still coaching now. She's about to turn 16. Um, and interestingly enough, um, my there's a, I think I, I can't remember how many. I've got five nieces um, and um, three of them um, have been involved with the club as well too, are still there. Um, so it, it does tend to turn into a family affair. Um, and despite Molly not, competing anymore we're both still heavily involved um and um you know i i did make a promise to paul that i would see this building project through to the end um and obviously it's part of the main reason why i'm still here but i think regardless of whether i'd said that or not i would probably still keep going um it you know it is extremely rewarding um and it's it, it part does, of your dna doesn't it Oh, it does, and obviously when you've got a daughter who's competing and gets to, you know, a decent level of gymnastics, um, you know, you tend to understand a lot more about the sport because I've never done gymnastics in my life. Um, Molly chose the sport herself, just decided one day that that's what she wanted to do. So um, here we are, nine years later. Awesome. So, uh, Emma, what's your role on the committee? Yeah, so technically I don't sit on the committee, um, so I'm the head coach, so the competition stream head coach, um, and obviously I coach as well. Um, when we sort of made the transition initially from a volunteer model to a um, paid coaching model, we effectively set up a bit of an executive committee. Um, so as we sort of negotiated some of the things that come with HR, so, you know, hiring staff, um, performance management, anything like that, we sort of installed a bit of an executive committee. So president, treasurer, secretary, and club head coach. Um, so whilst I don't hold an active position on the committee, um, I'm the club head coach. Um, it has also meant, obviously, that um, 
you know, sometimes it's been easier for me to sort of advocate and hassle a bit as um, the club head coach as opposed to necessarily being the, the president. Um, you know, there's been some some fierce conversations at some point about when we, we've sort of demanded some support um, and our president is amazing. Um, she is amazing. Um, she's very much uh, a bit more polished and calm than I can be sometimes. Um, so she <laughs> sometimes she checks me a little bit before I'm like, we all need but we've got that. a great relationship now where she she trusts that I, I will make the right decision. We just sometimes make them a little bit differently. Um, but we're also so lucky in that in that aspect. Like we've got yeah. this great blend of personalities. Um, I think I take after my father a little bit, which um, I never really quite knew until uh, his funeral actually and all the different eulogies were being presented. All of these people from all different parts of his life and I think about 12 of them said, do now, ask for forgiveness later. And I was sitting there thinking, yep, okay, I think I've inherited that quality. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we're all, we've got this great range of personalities where, um, you know, Marie is just a wonderful communicator and sometimes I'm just like, why not? <laughs> and well, But it's worked for us. Like we've got a really good. A very well-known marketing guru by the name of Paul McCarthy once always says it's his philosophy, ready, fire, aim. Don't wait. <laughs> You'll never be, it'll never be perfect. Or if you're waiting for it to be perfect, I think, the opportunity's gone. Yeah, and I think for us it was just asking why. Yeah. You know, people would say no to me and I'd be like, but why? Like I'm happy to accept your no if you can show me why. Like, you know, I would, I've read hours of council meeting minutes, hours and hours. Um, you know, to, to find precedent, to find, you know, what gets supported, to find all of these things. And then so I would say, okay, well, you've told me no, but what about these 12? Like, why are we different? And you just ask why enough times and then you challenge people's thinking and then they go, well, hold on, actually, I don't know why. Like, hmm, okay, well, that's good. So is it a yes then? Like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you'd be a problem, uh, Emma. I'm glad I'm not on the committee. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been offered a few jobs in politics in the last 12 months that I, I don't think I'll take, but I... <laughs> oh, well, it might be worth considering. You're probably good. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine besides the fitness and the skills learning, friendships, teamwork and fun would be at the forefront of the focus of hub gymnastics. Uh, for Just creating good humans. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Just, they're, they're just good humans. Like they have respect for each other. They support each other. They can fail. They can, I think when you only compete a few times a year, you really have to enjoy training because you don't compete every weekend. It's not like a football team where you run out and you compete every single weekend. Um, that doesn't happen for, for gymnastics. And, you know, there's not 50% of the people that compete are a winner one person wins, you might have 40 people in your category. Um, so I think it it teaches just way different skills than a lot of other sports in that aspect, um, you know, and the, and the concept of perfecting something, you know, you can do it, sure, but, you know, how do you then perfect it? And But I think for us, you know, our athletes don't train huge hours in comparison to athletes they compete against. Um, it's not been about that for us. Um, we then generally do have older athletes than other clubs. 
um, because it is sustainable for the girls as they go 14, 15, 16, 17, that they do train 10 hours a week. They're competing against girls training 20. Um, but they also work and they also still study and they have social lives still. So we have quite a good balance, I think, of keeping the kids involved in numerous um, aspects so they don't experience that burnout quite the same. Yeah. Um, and I think for us as well, like this year, so we kind of, not that we've ticked the building off, but we, we ticked the funding for the building off. Um, we've sort of looked at, I guess, what we can contribute to the community around. So um, Kate attended a seminar with our president um, on some mental health stuff. Um, and we then funded, um, I can't remember what her name was. Um, but we funded someone to come and present um, to our actual uh, community. So we invited parents. It was gold coin donation, um, you know, come and learn about teenage mental health. It's obviously something that we deal with as coaches and um, all the time. And so we we funded that for our parents in our membership, you know, come along, listen. Um, so I think a lot of that professional development stuff is kind of next for us now and making sure that the athletes, you know, as they transition into being coaches, um, you know, Gymnastics SA do some great stuff um, where they're trying to to work on that professional development as well. So they do a, a youth leadership day. Um, you know, we sent along, I think, about 12 or 15 of our athletes and coaches to, um, you know, work on some of those, like, team building skills. We'll do generally each term we do, like, a professional development day in-house. Um, you know, so we'll work on, yes, there's coaching aspects to it, but there's also, you know, um, like behaviour aspects, children's behaviour, you know, trying to, um, I guess, get the girls ready for, you know, where those skills will actually take them outside of working for us forever. We'd love them to work for us forever, but obviously, you know, careers are calling for them a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, just trying to work on some of that professional development is kind of the next step for us, um, for our coaching workforce. I think it's a good next step to have. So going back to last year's awards program, it must have been really wonderful to be acknowledged for the good work that you contribute to your local communities. You made the finals, of course. You attended the event. What, uh, what are the memories or what are the things that stand out to you as part of the thrill of first making the finals and being at the event? Uh, and then, of course, winning the award. What stands out to you as as the, the great memories of that of the whole thing? I think winning um, an award outside of gymnastics. So you know, we obviously have you know, Gymnastics South Australia has an awards night. Um, we've been blessed to win a few different awards over the years individually. Um, our coaching, our athletes. Uh, particular programs and and overall we've been lucky enough to win a couple of times but I think for us the thing that we took away from it was our first time that we won an award outside of that category um you know so to be able to be recognized wider um as a, a sporting organization not necessarily pigeonholed into gymnastics but like you know as a sporting organization that that is doing really good work um I think that was really cool for us um or really cool from for me in particular that it was yeah a, a category outside of you know we were competing with a number of sporting organizations some of them with you know amazing programs and really rich history so that was that was really cool that it was like okay gymnastics is is actually getting recognized not as an elitist sport but actually like listen to the programs that we offer and how it is for everyone 
um, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it must have been great validation for all of your volunteers as well. Yeah, I tend to agree with that um, sentiment. Um, you know, it we have, like Emma said, we have been recognised by Gymnastics South Australia um, numerous times. Um, but to be in a room full of organisations that are doing amazing work within their field um, was quite humbling as well. Um, you know, to be around those people who just have a genuine love for what they're doing. Um, you know, and I remember, I remember sitting sitting at our table thinking, you know, our category was coming up, and I was like, okay, just just sit tight here, just you know, because we had been we'd made the semi-finals, I think, the year before. Um, I'm not 100. percent I can't remember. But I was just, I was like, right, just sit tight, just let's just see how this goes, you know, and then obviously building up to it and everything and then I was like and then to hear our name called out that we had actually won our category I think I think realistically it was it was validation for the hard work um that we had put in you know over many many number of years um it wasn't just that year um you know it, it was a culmination of everything and I think you know it was it was exciting to hear your name called out you know and to to make that walk up to the stage and you know, have to. I didn't give a speech, but Emma did. To have to have our name out there and our voice heard as to you know the community aspect of what we're doing was just super pleasing um, from my aspect. Yeah. And as you alluded, and congratulations again. But as you alluded, Emma, it's uh, being recognised outside of the sport because what you do in gymnastics is clearly fabulous and outstanding but to be recognised from the community aspect. You are making a real community difference for, you know, for hundreds of, uh, of young people. You're, you're contributing in a community sense equally valuably as, uh, as the gymnastics contribution you make. So, yeah, it's great that you can be recognised from that side of the fence as well. Would you encourage our listeners to nominate someone for an award subsequently? Yeah, if you're not in it, you can't win it. And certainly um, not so much last year, but the previous year, um, it was a tactic of ours in terms of, you know, if you're not in it, you can't win it. Um, and, you know, we wanted to be in the faces of politicians leading into federal elections. We wanted to be, you know, we we know the work we're doing, but you know, someone has to sit there and someone has to write the awards. And Kate and I wrote a lot of nominations in the last, you know, three years. Yeah. Um, but we were always nominating people who deserved to be nominated. We just had to sit down and make a conscious effort to dedicate the time to do it. And we've we've had some, even some of our, um, our junior coaches and stuff, they've been doing amazing work. Like they deserve to be nominated. Um, and so we've, yeah, it's definitely a conscious it was a conscious decision that if you're not in it, you can't win it. And, you know, people within an organisation, when they know that the work they're doing, like celebrate it, shout about it, because that's how, you know, you'll get more support and that's how, you know, like, and you want your membership to know that that's why you're doing stuff for them. And and it does generate, you know, families will say to us all the time, like they love the community feel and the aspect of the club, but that's a conscious decision. Like, you know, that is what our, our volunteer committee make every single decision with that in mind. Like that is our ethos. That is what we're trying to bring. That's the feel that we want. So is this decision we're making reflecting that? 
Well, I think uh, nominating as well. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I think, you know, organisations are not very quick to promote themselves from that aspect of it. You know, you pay, you pay your advertising and you pay your marketing and you do all that sort of stuff to sell your brand, but nominating for these type of awards is another way of selling your brand. And I think, you know, whilst, um, you know, it's not the sole reason you do it, but as an organisation, you need to have a voice out there and be prepared to tell people your story. And that's all, that's all we did um, with this nomination. We told a story and it worked. So um, I think any, any organisation out there, it just don't be afraid to nominate because you never know what might come out of it. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Well, a big shout out to Hub Gymnastics Club for what you have done over the past 40 almost years. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Was it 50? You can't count. Um, so and We're getting close to 40. There'll be a birthday. We'll send you an invite. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I'll be there. Uh, we do not. throw a good party. That's the one time that Kate lets me have some money. <laughs> Well, that sounds good as long as you don't expect me to get on an apparatus and, you know, break a leg or anything. <laughs> uh, but a, a big shout also, big shout out also to Woolworths for their support of the awards and the community very broadly, of course, but in uh, this case, the Community Achievement Awards and the, award, the awards wouldn't be possible without Woolworths and our other community-minded partners for making a difference. And if any of our listeners would like to nominate someone, please head to awardsaustralia.com, our website, or if you're interested in sponsor partnership opportunities, contact me at jeff, G-E-O-F-F, jeff at awardsaustralia.com, or you'd like to find out more about how to nominate someone or being involved, send me an email. Don't be shy. Um, I'll be very offended if you don't. So yeah, get a, give me a, drop me an email. And also, of course, how do people find out more about Hub Gymnastics? How do our listeners get in contact? So we've got um, various different social medias. So you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, or we've got a website as well, so Hub Gymnastics. Right, so if they just uh, click on or type in Hub Gymnastics on Facebook, Instagram, on, on your website. Yeah, or Google. Yeah, I'll Google, they'll find yeah. you. Fantastic. I'm sure there are plenty of our listeners, particularly local to the area, who are thinking, I need to get my daughter or son or uh, our, you know, our kids involved in uh, some way or form, or if people want to volunteer. Very tired, superstar coach, want to get back into it. Absolutely. Get, get in contact. Or if you just want to volunteer, make a difference. It certainly would be. Do you have any words of wisdom or advice for our listeners that are involved with a club or an organisation? You've been, you've given lots of ideas, but are there any words of wisdom or advice you can uh, share with others? Ooh, do you want to go first, Kate? I can. Um, my being a parent obviously um, comes with a different territory, um, but. I would just say don't ever underestimate the impact you can have by being involved in not only your children's sporting, whatever it might be that they're interested in, um, but 
in a club in general. Um, I would say that pub gymnastics has become somewhat of a family to me um, through just my involvement and that came from my daughter being involved. So I think just never underestimate what you can achieve. Yeah, get involved. Emma? Um, I think for me um, words of wisdom would just be know, know your point of difference and what you do well. So I think for us, we we really um, believe the things that we do well and we believe what the things that we do that are different um, and then all of our decisions that we make are backed up by that. So I think if you just, you know your brand and you know what it is that you you do really well and that's what you, you stick to. So, you know, for us, we are that community ethos fuel club. It is first and foremost about creating good humans and if they learn gymnastics as well, wonderful, um, you know, for us, like really knowing what it is that you you do and you do well, and just having that in mind every time you make a decision or you advocate for yourself or for the club. Yeah, good good advice from you both, uh, Kate. I would have bet that you were going to say uh, your advice would be don't become treasurer. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I have to. I, it's one talent that I do have that I can give back. You know, I can't do gymnastics. Um, uh, whatever I do play my own sport don't get me wrong but um you know I can I can deal with numbers um and um and yeah I've put my talent to good use so well my uh, ad for hub gymnastics is that uh, it's so critical to get young ones young people involved in community in a sport in something where you're learning discipline but you're learning to uh, teamwork and gain friendships in a way is absolutely critical for all, everybody but young people in particular. Well, it's been a real pleasure, Kate and Emma. Thank you so much for your time today. Congratulations and thank you on behalf of the community that you serve and support for all that you do and on behalf of our listeners for words of wisdom, for uh, teaching us that resilience pays off be patient, believe in your why and your purpose, uh, bond together and uh, to make a difference. So thank you so much. It's been absolutely amazing. Uh, and thanks so much to our listeners for being with us as well for the past hour. I hope you've all gained some inspiration today. And until next time, be safe, have fun and be kind because together we make a difference. Thank you very much. Kate and Emma, it's been real fun. Thank uh, you. Uh, I've Thank you. thoroughly enjoyed the time together. The Inspirational Australians podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia. We recognise, celebrate and share the stories of the Inspirational Australians through our awards programs across the country. To find out more, to nominate an Inspirational Australian in your life, or to partner with our awards, visit awardsaustralia.com. If you enjoyed today's story, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and review to make sure you don't miss an episode and to help our guests reach more people with their inspirational stories. <laughs>